And this is View the Valley's podcast, episode 30 with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how you been doing? Oh, doing really well. Uh, you know, college football season's over after the national championship last night, and uh, this means more time for football, or excuse me, more time for basketball. And, uh, you know, Super Bowl will be wrapping up. That means March Madness is just around the corner. So, great time of year. How about you? How are you doing on your end? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, finally getting over the, the loss from last night. As you know, I'm an Ohio oh, State right. fan. You're an Ohio State fan. Yeah, it was... Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I know a lot of people have told me that. They said, how are you doing getting through the day? Well, I'm managing. Uh, I knew Alabama no, no, no. was good. I, I mean, I'm sorry that you're an Ohio State fan. Yeah, a lot of people say that. <laughs> I mean, I knew Alabama was good, and Ohio State, you know, we were gonna be, they were going to be out, you know, multiple players, but with Trey Sermon getting hurt on the first play of the game, it really kind of set the tone but I think what really, you know, I think was the difference or momentum changer, if you will, in the game. Alabama had a guy go out for targeting, so then he's ejected, and Ohio State basically has it first and goal, like the five. Well, then they come away with a field goal, and I think with them not scoring a touchdown there, it just kind of they kind of did it in for themselves there because basically before that they were just trading touchdowns and with that mm-hmm. you know field goal down four you know, they, and after that just kind of they could not cover Smith just wide open every yeah. time yeah as a matter of fact I'm watching TV right now he just scored again I think so games went over for you know 20 hours <laughs> he's still scoring yeah I mean he's good definitely yeah it just and you know even though they, they even brought in, you know, their, their guys late in the game, second string is relative term when you're talking about Alabama, but their second running back is still running over cats. You know, and Kirk Hershey's like, that's uh, Ohio State's best tackle that he just ran over. You know, <laughs> what? Like, you know it's like uh, they just uh, they lost their five star recruit, so they bring in, uh, let me see my notes here. Oh, another five star recruit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. You knew Smith was going to get the ball, but mm-hmm. it didn't matter what Ohio State was doing on defense. They tried having like four linebackers out there trying to clog up the middle. That didn't work. Eventually, you had a linebacker covering him. Well, that wasn't going to work out well. The defensive backs had a hard time keeping up with him. I mean, I mean Alabama, they did a great job mixing in, getting him the ball. I mean, they did just about everything possible, and now uh, – you know, Sark, the offense coordinator for Alabama, you, you know, good for him. He's going to Texas now. I mean, he, he deserves it. I mean, he was being very creative in that game. Yeah. Yeah, but really talented people have a tendency to make you look pretty good. Like, you know, well, that's true. Devontae Smith's, Devontae Smith's ability to plant and get back to full speed is unbelievable. Like, I know I'm older than you. I remember watching footage of Marshall Falk in college where he'd be on a dead run. A guy was going to cut him off, he slammed on the brakes, guy flew by him, and he was back to 60 mile an hour in no time. And Devontae Smith was kind of that way, like, because he's doing, you know, all the motion. He changes direction twice. The guy's still making the first move, and he's already coming out of his second move. You know, it's just, it was unbelievable. And then Sarkeesian did a great job of, of using those guys to his credit. But like you said, yeah, I, you can definitely tell that. I mean, Smith was on another level, and you know, gonna have should have a nice career. You know, if he mm-hmm. can stay healthy in the NFL. But 
During this week's episode, we'll get you caught up on what's happened the last you know week and a half or so in the OVC, Missouri Valley. Uh, we'll also look ahead to the two conferences into this week. And then towards the end of the show, we'll do a segment on, you know, kind of our year in review. You know, we'll go back and look at some of the some of our guests we've had on this past year through the first 29 episodes and, you know, kind of give you our thoughts and, you know, what kind of stood out to us, what we liked about, you know, our guests, if there was a certain story or, you know, you know, a certain person we had on that we you know really liked, you know, the interview and, you know, whatnot. So we'll do that towards the end of the show. But first things first, TJ, I look back at some of the games from this, you know, the past seven to 10 days or so. Uh, I know in the Missouri Valley, TJ, uh, looks like uh, some of the teams that were basically on pause, they seem to be getting at full speed now. Yeah, they're getting some teams up to full speed and then some others that are uh, paused. You know, had the opportunity with uh, my son and uh, my father. We actually went up and watched the first SIU Drake game, and uh, they were allowing about 360, 380 fans in. And kudos to the people at Drake. You know, I've been to Des Moines twice. It's a great city, but they did a great job of having everybody spread out. Like, we had an entire row to ourselves. The other seats were roped off. You know, the other fans there were, uh, everybody was wearing their masks and stuff like that. So I I felt pretty comfortable being there, you know, through that situation. Uh, You know, we've talked about it since we got back. The only low light for us was that, uh, you know, Drake was so impressive in that that win over SIU. And, uh, you know, I mean, Drake's the real deal. They have so many players out there that can just fill it up for you that it's, uh, you know, they're going to be dangerous. But both of them have since gone on pause. And for those that maybe don't follow the NBC as closely, because they went on pause, SIU was supposed to play Indiana State this last week, and Drake was supposed to play Loyola. Well, you know, trying to be flexible, the Missouri Valley said, hey, all right, uh, Loyola and Indiana State, you guys are going to play each other this week. So, you know, it kept them because you know, Loyola hadn't played a, a, a league game yet and uh, really kept things going for those guys so they didn't have to miss another weekend. So... Um, you know, and Missouri State, gosh, I think they're the real deal. You know, Gage Prim has been really impressive with his passing. I think that was one of the things I felt was one of his shortcomings last year, but he's been really good. And, you know, some of the reports are that Dana Ford has put him on a two-dribble limit. Like, he, he pounds it twice. He's going to be picking it up to go to the hoop or looking for somebody to pass to. And, you know, he's usually finding Isaiah Mosley or Jamonte Black to, to fill it up for him. So, those, those are the games, those are the people, the teams that have stood out to me most is Missouri State, or Missouri State and uh, Drake, Well, you know, and, and, and seeing some of those guys come into play. So You you know, you see Missouri State and the start they've gotten off to. I mean, it really is a great start for what Dana Ford's been able to do, especially since they were one of the last, you know, few teams to get going in, you know, this season because they right. were on pause right from the get-go. Um but I'm interested to see when they reschedule that Drake series um, mm-hmm. because both of those games are postponed you know, as of recently. And I think, I think when that series happens, I, both should probably be on, you know, I'd say national television if both continue, you know, the stretch that they're on. I mean, I, I, right. Yeah. They were supposed to play this coming weekend, but they're obviously 
that's obviously not going to happen. So, in the Ohio Valley side, uh, going back to January second, uh, I think one of the key games that day. I think a, I would say the majority of people would have expected Murray State to get a home win against Moorhead State, mm-hmm. but the Eagles uh, they had something different you know on their mind, right? Uh, Murray State Murray got, pull out that you know steal a win. I think whenever you can win one on the road in conference play, it's a steal. Well, absolutely, especially at Murray. I know the obviously the fans aren't there or aren't as many, but the fact that Moorhead State was still able to go there and get a win at Murray is you know it says a lot. And it was led by Devon Cooper. He had 19 points for Moorhead State. You know Murray got behind early. They trailed by seven at the half, but. Their offense just hasn't – it just hasn't clicked yet. I mean, you've seen games – or at least I've seen games that they've played, you know, outside of that one. You know, they when they played Belmont, you know, on national television, you know, their offense had a hard time going in that one too. And they don't have bad players on offense. They just – they're having a hard time making the open shot. Um, outside of that game – uh, if you were to bet on a prop bet like this uh, and it was available, you'd probably win money every time because SEMA went to overtime again against Tennessee State, this time <laughs> double overtime, and yep. you know, were able to come away with an 83-79 win. But the one thing that stands out in that game, and I don't know if you saw this, TJ, but SEMO attempted 51 free throws that game. 51. They had 83 points, 40 points from the foul line. Nichols alone had 19 of those attempts. He got, guy scores, you know, 21 points. 17 of them are from the free throw line. That's unbelievable. I, you, yeah, I know you see teams that shoot a lot of free throws, but to shoot 51, and I understand, yeah, you, you might shoot, start shooting a few more once you have, you know, two overtimes. I get that, but still, and this is, team where you know Simo's struggled from the foul line before that game and to make you know over 78 percent and especially one guy making 17 of 19 it's it's kind of unheard of but they were down uh Simo was down I think by seven you know with under five minutes to go and they ended up coming back I'm not sure it may not have been seven but they were down I think with a couple minutes left may have been under two minutes and they end up just clawing their way back with free throws and you know similar to what southern illinois carbondale did to them early in the season you know where you know that uh you know was up five late and then siu managed to tie it and then you get to win in overtime so kind of a similar situation yeah you're, yeah you're exactly right uh, outside of you know that day, Eastern Illinois posted a win over Tennessee Tech. Belmont won easily over UT Martin, but Eastern Kentucky and Coach Hamilton they kept at it, uh, knocked off Austin P. At Austin P. eighty to seventy five, and that was a game where Austin P. was uh, I believe they were favored in that game. It was a little bit ago, but gotta love what coach Hamilton's doing with Eastern Kentucky and what they've been able to accomplish 
in conference play, you know, right now. I mean, you have certain teams yes. that haven't found their identity yet or, st- you know, still searching during this odd season. But Eastern Kentucky's been able to stay healthy and basically stay fully active during the season. And it's, they have a lot of momentum right now. Yeah. I mean, they're five and one right behind uh, Belmont at six and oh, kind of making it. Uh, a two-horse race, but not the two we were thinking it was going to be. You know, it's a little bit different picture than we had back in uh, November with us with that conference. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, outside of you know those teams, uh, Eastern Illinois has been able to kind of get back on track. You know, they we talked about how they had a brutal non-conference schedule. Uh, Coach Spoonhour, you know, since OVC plays started, they've been able to settle down and really start to find their true identity, uh, you know, against the mid-major schools. And, you know, they had a win over Tennessee Tech, then they posted back-to-back wins as they knocked off Murray State at home 74-68 back on January 7th. Uh, But, again, Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State, that game went to overtime. That was two... Two quality opponents going head-to-head inside conference play, two of the best in the OVC right now. And Jacksonville State kept Eastern Kentucky really at bay in the first half. It was just 29-28 at the break. Mm-hmm. But it took all the way till halftime to decide that. Rightfully so, the, the score was 69-66. But I think both those teams, Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State, as we had Coach Hamilton and Coach Harper on, you know, before the season, they weren't picked in the top three, but these were two of the teams we had talked about that we wouldn't have been surprised if they were able to make a push, you know, to get towards the top of the OVC because both of them, you know, they're really talented. You know, Eastern Kentucky's got uh, Trey King and Jacksonville State's got uh, Brandon Huffman, who's been making a big difference as he comes over from yeah. North Carolina. And he Huffman had 16 points and 16 boards off the bench that day for Jacksonville State. I mean, you just watch him. He is just a large human being that uh, sometimes you think maybe he should should have played O-line at North Carolina (laughs) for him. He's he's one big individual. Yeah, I I watched that game, and he he just towers over everybody. Mm -hmm. If if he misses a shot at the rim, he got his own rebound a couple times and went right back up. But I think he had gotten pulled from the starting rotation – and since he had gotten pulled, I mean, he was coming coming off the bench and doing, I think, exactly what Coach Harper, you know, was expecting him to do, you know, right when he came over. So, and Jawan Purdue also off the bench has a double double for Jacksonville State with fourteen and ten. I, when do you think the last time was that happened, especially at a mid major school, whether you want to say OVC or MVC, that you have two guys come off the bench with for, for probably not disciplinary reasons have double doubles i i don't know that's that's a good point uh it's kind of guys have double doubles much less two guys off your bench and now you can really tell your other guys like hey if you're not going to do it hey (laughs) i've got these guys over here they'll take care of it well not you know not even just the ovc mvc Uh, you take any conference out there it's not Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen often that you have two players right double double especially not one of them you know having a double-double in your starting rotation. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that kind of wraps up uh, 
the OVC side of things from recently. You got anything you wanted to add over, you know, the MVC side before we move on? Did you see, this may be a rhetorical question, did you see the end to the Bradley Northern Iowa game last night? I did not. So obviously you were probably wrapped up. And I actually, because of, I won't get off on it right here, but I don't have Fox Sports Midwest right now. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, what? Tight game, late. And Northern Iowa's down three. They go to the line. Bowen Bourne, freshman, hits the first free throw to make it a two-point game with 3.4 seconds left. Misses the second free throw. And one of the often one of the Northern Iowa players is able to get a hand on it, but not really bad at but so the clock should start. Bourne rebounds, gets a three-pointer from the wing, misses, and a putback. I think it was Burhau, but I wouldn't swear to that in a quarter law, but and he puts it back in to tie the game. And that's that's initially what they what they have when the game happens. But they like they they went back and looked at it. There's like there's no way he got that done three and a half seconds to have because of clock starts when it touches. So for that ball to get touched, born to get a three pointer off, miss it, and the put back. So you know, kudos to the referees. They went back, looked at it, and said, yeah, there's no way basket doesn't count. And Bradley escapes with the win, seventy five, seventy three. But well, yeah, definitely chaos there at the end. Well, now that you mentioned it. War- I had looked at the score, you know, earlier, you know, last night, and it, I noticed that Northern Iowa was, I think they were winning late, and, you know, it just kind of surprised me. But then I also wasn't expecting Northern Iowa to beat Bradley on Sunday either. Yeah. But it just seems hey. like in the Missouri Valley, these, these back-to-back days of games, it's just, it's hit and miss of, you know, the offense. And I get it's hard to, you know, get back at it the next day, especially against the same opponent. But you're seeing a lot of low-scoring games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Coach Jacobson at Northern Iowa wasn't happy with his team's performance at Evansville. So he had two of his seniors didn't start in, in either of those games this weekend. Trey Burhow and uh, Tawan Pickford didn't start uh, either game. You know, and, you know, Burhow responded had double digits in both of those games against Bradley this weekend. But, you know, that's kind of delivering a message. Like, hey, you guys uh, aren't going to – you're supposed to set the tone here, and I don't think you're doing it, so I'll set it for everybody else. And, you know, they responded, obviously, getting that win, seeing out that win against Bradley in that first game. After after their performance against Evansville, I think uh, it's easy to say that you weren't expecting them to win. I guess before we move on, I don't know if I was sleeping in 2020, you know, a couple seconds ago, uh, but do have to mention the Austin P and Eastern Illinois game. I can't believe I forgot to mention that, but very good game in Charleston uh, from this past weekend. And Terry Taylor uh, won the game for Austin P game was tied at 71 and he had a game winning three pointer at the buzzer to send Austin P, you know, to a win over Coach Spoonauer and the Panthers. Uh, final score is 74-71. But what Terry Taylor did, incredible. Mm-hmm. 38 yeah. points, 17 boards. You know, and that's exactly what everybody thought he was going to do this year. Maybe not to the extreme of 38 points, but he did what they thought he would do this year. He would, was going to carry Austin P, and that's exactly what he did in the game against Eastern Illinois. 
But moving on from this past week, week and a half, we'll look ahead to what's on tap for the MVC and OVC, you know, this coming week. Uh, we'll go to the Missouri Valley here first, TJ. Uh, any games that are standing out to you that are on the docket here? Uh, you know, it's just trying to figure out what Evansville is, you know, after they uh, beat Northern Iowa those two games, but then they split with Illinois State. Uh, in Evansville, it, it, interesting to see what they're going to be. You know, Bradley, obviously, with their loss to Northern Iowa, they were knocking off the rust because they hadn't played since uh, they they'd lost that tight one to Mizzou before Christmas. And, uh, you know, Indiana State, Illinois State, again, trying to kind of figure out where they are. There's so many of these teams. It seems like everybody's just kind of, you know, getting these splits and things like that. Uh, SIU Valpo are postponed, like we mentioned earlier. And, you know, the big matchup of Drake-Missouri State would have been a lot of fun to watch this weekend, but they're postponed. But we're also going to have our first um, round of midweek games next week that, you know, they're going to play their local teams. And you always look forward to the war on 74 between Bradley and Illinois State. So uh, I think that's that's always, always has a little bit more to it since those schools are so close to each other. And, uh, you know, since the other one you would have looked forward to was Drake UNI. But uh, I think, you know, just trying to figure out what Evansville is right now. Are they are they for real or, you know, have they caught some teams at the right time? Yeah, so that's I, what I'm looking forward to from the, the Missouri Valley side. They've been pretty impressive, you know, on yeah. from what I've seen. Uh, their defense has been a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they've had the, you know, they had the toughest non-conference schedule. I mean, the loss to, I think Prairie View, uh, kind of scratched some heads, especially if you've seen what they've done, you know, recently. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they put up 87 points against UT Martin, beat Simone overtime, beat Eastern Illinois, played very competitive against Belmont and Carbondale in the one, and then ended up beating SIU. Right, and then have put together a nice string game. So I. I think you take away that Prairie View loss. I think if you're in Evans, well, you're probably satisfied with what they've done anyway to this point. Right. To have four league <laughs> but, wins at the yeah. zero a year ago. Exactly. But I think if you take away that Prairie View game, I mean, you really got to like right. where Evansville. Yeah, that's right really now. the one blemish you, that you look at now in hindsight, like, oh, what happened there? But at the time, you understood that they were trying to get their sea legs, so to speak, and kind of learn how to win again after – such a tough year last year. So when you look at the Missouri Valley right now, TJ, you look at the standings, is there a team that you know might not be in the top two or three right now, but you think has a you know would have a good chance to make a push come uh, you know tournament time or maybe f- I guess let me rephrase. You look at the standings of the Missouri Valley, you take that top half away, you look at the bottom half. Is there a team in that bottom half that you think could work their way up into maybe the three or four seed in the Missouri Valley tournament or even make a push as a lower seed once tournament starts? Uh, I, You know, initially I think you look at you and I, but are you looking at it because it's Ben Jacobson coach team and thinking maybe those young guys uh, like Heisey and Bourne kind of come, you know, mature into better, you know, into tougher players. I mean, they're, they're coming along well right now 
Indiana State's the one I, I just I, I think they have the the ability to finally get things clicking. You know, between Tyreek Key and Jake Laravia, Laravia in their latest game against Loyola just looked timid, even though he still let him in scoring. And you know, I like I like Cooper Nice. I think they have the pieces there, and they they're older for the most part. I know that Laravia is a sophomore, but he played a ton last year. But between Key and Nice, uh, that they they should really be able to to do some things. And they had the opportunity here when I got up against Illinois State, which I think if you know I were you know forced to pick, I would still say Indiana State should get both of those games. And you know. Who knows with Evansville? You know, so they should get two of these three games, I think, coming up and maybe start to make some moves up the, up the, the uh, standings here. Okay, that's a good take. On the Ohio Valley side, and I, just a string of games that have been you know postponed this week, mm-hmm. uh, all starting with basically yesterday, SEMO and UT Martin, a rescheduled game. That game is postponed. Uh, you look ahead to... Well, tonight, January 12th, you know, Tuesday, the Eastern Illinois SI Edwardsville game, that game was postponed. Uh, looking ahead to Thursday, Austin P and UT Martin postponed. Uh, Saturday, the 16th, SEMO and Austin P, that game postponed because Austin P's uh, on pause now. SEMO was on pause earlier. Now they're unpaused, and now their games will be paused again because of a different team. You know, the OVC seemed to be doing well, but now it's just it <laughs> seems like a lot of games now are starting to find the pause button. And, the, you know, I wouldn't like to be the athletic director, or, you know, coaches right now trying to reschedule these games because I think there's a stretch that I noticed for, I think, SEMO. Ah, I forget which week it is. I'll have to double check, but they have three games, I think, in the same week. It goes like Tuesday, Thursday. Saturday, and I think they, I think it's the one like where they go to, I think they go to UT Martin on a Tuesday, turn around, come back to SEMO on a Thursday against SIU Edwardsville, and then they play that Saturday, and then they play that Saturday before. So I mean, they have a you know, you might see that. I mean, you're gonna find teams that have a lot of games uh, in a few days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so here you go. Uh, starting on the 21st, uh, yep. this will be noted. Uh, they just released today that SEMO uh, at Moorhead State, Thursday, January 21st. That game's going to be nationally televised on ESPNU. So, national televised game for the OVC. But that starts it. So, the 21st at Moorhead State, 23rd against Eastern Kentucky, 26th at UT Martin, 28th at home against Edwardsville, 30th against Eastern Illinois at home. They have five games in basically nine days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough no matter who you are, no matter who you're playing. But looking ahead to some of the other games, you have Eastern Kentucky. They hit the road for SIU Edwardsville. And I don't think SIUE is allowing fans. Yeah, um, I think most Illinois schools are in that boat that they're just allowing, you know, uh, friends and family type of deal, you know, a few people per player. Exactly, and and I, I wish we could go to that game because that's only about forty minutes from where we live, and you know, I think that'd be a you know it'd be fun to watch Eastern Kentucky after we've talked to Coach Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it'd just be nice to see OVC school, you know, 
matchup 40 minutes from us, but, you know, that's what we've been dealt. Uh, Belmont at Tennessee Tech. Uh, two teams going in the opposite direction right now, but uh, Tennessee Tech may not have the record that they were hoping for, but they've been very competitive as of late and have been giving teams kind of a kind of a run for their money. They played really well at Moorhead State, lost by three, and they were given Eastern Kentucky all they wanted as well, but Eastern Kentucky was able to pull away late and uh, end up winning by, I believe, 10. But Moorhead State, uh, they play a national televised game at Eastern Illinois on ESPNU at 8 o'clock Thursday. That's a game that I'm going to watch. Um, Moorhead State, they're 7-6, and 4-2 and two in the conference. But I think they're going to be they're going to be a tough out. I don't think they're uh, the most talented team in the conference. I, I don't think they're the second most talented team in the conference. But I think it's the schedule they put together. Seeing that how many Power Five schools they have faced, I think has really helped them in their first six games in OVC play because they got off to a brutal start. Their win-loss record, not good, but you kind of throw that out the window as most of them were bye games, and I think those bye games have helped propel this Moorhead State team under Coach Spradlin right now. Uh, yeah, you always you always kind of run that that delicate balance. You know, we talked to Coach Spoonauer how he likes normally get three, but you know, and I understand you play those tough games, but you got to get some games in that your kids can win too, otherwise. You know, they, they, they go in 0 and 4, 0 and 5, and, uh, you know, went into some quality teams. Because kids at that level, they think, you know, and, and to their credit, hey, we should be able to play with these guys. Even if they think that they're, you know, deep down that they're overmatched, hey, I expect to go out there and compete with these guys. And like we've talked about many times before, just trying to prove, like, hey, I could have played at that level as well. So, you know, again, you got to go out there and play the play the, the tougher teams, but it's always such a delicate balance. Then outside of that game, uh, Tennessee State will travel to Jacksonville State, and then uh, Murray State will hit the road for SEMO. Now, this, that's typically a game where it's usually one of the more populated games, attendance-wise, in Cape Girardeau, because it seems to be Murray's second home. Whenever Murray travels right. to SEMO, it's just a, you know, a crowd of racer fans. Not going to be the same this year, but Murray State has had SEMO's number, you know, last so many seasons. But I think this will be a spot for Coach Korn to really try and help elevate, you know, his team. You know, you have his, you know, you know, you have the Red Hawks, and they've had so many close games that have they've fallen just short in that extra frame. After a while, you know, you're the team. You just really want, hey. Can we start stringing some wins? You know, we play so well to get here. Let's let's close one out. And I think a win against Murray State at home would be a big boost to, you know, a SEMO team that had a lot of newcomers this year. Yeah. So I'll flip around kind of a similar question that you gave me looking at the standings of the OBC. Is there anyone in the, the top half, so to speak? And I, I don't know that I necessarily put SIU Edwardsville in there they're one and oh to their credit but haven't played as many games as most everybody else but there's someone surprising in the top half and vice versa is there somebody that's kind of surprising to see in the bottom half 
Well, I think right away you think of the bottom half. You think Murray State. They're four and six, one and four in the conference. And that's a team that was picked to be atop of the Ohio Valley. And you you see what they've done. They their non conference schedule it wasn't anything great. It wasn't like they were playing the Moorhead State Power Five, you know, slew right. of schools. You know, they had a game against Middle Tennessee and then they played I think a couple Missouri Valley schools. Other than that, I think that basically was it. Um, so I think what where Murray State is, you know, they're ninth in the conference right now. And to have, you know, Telvin Brown and K.J. Williams, both upperclassmen, uh, it really kind of surprised me because they, they were picked, um, you know, they were given accolades at you know preseason, um, and to see the to see where they're at and just not being able to get the ball rolling. And I'm not just saying it's you know it's all on them too. Obviously, it, they have other guys in there that aren't I guess getting the job done either. But to see that you had two guys in there that you're you're really counting on, you got to try and get them the ball more often. But I think. The one area of concern for Murray State right now, and and I'm not saying they can't they can't turn around because they're well coached. Coach McMahon, he's done great things at Murray State, and it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if they can turn around their three point shooting, which is just above 33 percent. If they can figure that out and play a little defense, they can work their way up the standings. Um, yeah. You know, I think I'm sorry, I think it's ahead. really surprising to look at that they're one and four after remembering that they started out league play against Austin P and just basically ran them out of the gym. Yes. You know, down at Murray and you know the high expectations for Austin P who was going through a tough stretch at the time, but that's their only league win right now. That they're one and four, and that one win is just that huge. It's, it looks more like the outlier than the in their their um, mode of operation right now. Well, and I think another spot you have to look at, how potent is the Murray State faithful usually? Is that really a one of the big differences when Murray State's at home? Because if, if that's a sold-out place like it typically is, does Moorhead State get – does Moorhead State steal that win at Murray State if there's a mm-hmm. lot of fans there? Yeah. You know, you'll never know. Does did the Moorhead State schedule prepare them for that win against Murray State? You know, and then after that, you know, they fall again at Eastern Illinois. I think when you look at the top half, is there a team that surprises me uh, outside of SI Yardsville since they haven't played enough uh, conference games to this point? Uh, I mean, Eastern Kentucky's second. That doesn't surprise me. They're ahead of what they were projected. Um, but maybe the fact that there's not a Murray State or Austin P up there neck and neck with them. I think, yeah, I think that's what's kind of surprising. Um, Austin P, I guess, would be the team that I'm a little surprised too. That's you know not up there. I mean, Jordan Adams hasn't been healthy for Austin P. Uh, Terry Taylor's starting to get things going. Uh, I don't know. There's really not a team up there that's... 
I guess Moorhead State. Um, I'm surprised that they are, you know, fourth right now. Um, but then again, you see the schedule they played, and maybe that just really helped prepare them. So I, I don't really have a good answer for if there's a team up there that I'm really surprised about because really it's kind of it's kind of straightforward when you look at it outside of you know Murray State being being down a little bit. Right. Um, is there a team that I think could make a run that maybe isn't you know in the top three or four? Come tournament time, I think I would pick. Uh, I'd go with Eastern Illinois right now. They are basically okay. dead in the middle in the conference right now, and I don't think we've seen their best basketball yet. Just because you know, as we have said earlier, they had a brutal schedule and they played tough against you know some of those opponents. I think once they get a real flow of OVC games going, that veteran leadership. Whether whether that's good enough to get them into the top three or four by season's end, I don't know. But I think it will really help them come OVC tournament time, and it wouldn't surprise me if they're one of the last couple teams remaining you know, in OVC. But outside of that, TJ, uh, we'll go ahead and work our way into our final segment of this week's show so therefore the last segment of this week's show you know kind of teased at the beginning of you know the show uh kind of a year in review for our podcast you know kind of what stood out to us uh we had a lot of a lot of guests on whether they would be a coach announcer uh beat writer uh even had a had the d1 docket on for scheduling purposes uh kind of had a, a good mixture of stuff and then also a current NBA player in Antonius Cleveland. But we'll kind of uh, give you our thoughts on if there was like a certain story or uh, who we liked outside of coaches that we had on for an interview and, you know, kind of go from there and just kind of flow along with it. Uh, how's that sound, TJ? Yeah, it sounds like fun. Uh, so I'll start out. So if you went non-coach division – uh, so, you know, because I think we like, you can kind of split them up pretty evenly that way. You have a particular story or particular interview that stands out to you more than the others? Um, I think there was a person a person we had on as a guest and then a, a certain story from a different guest that I, I both liked. Um, okay. Connor Onion, I really enjoyed getting to uh, talk with him. As he's a very good broadcaster for uh, the Salukis, um, kind of just the way he, he'd carried himself throughout the interview. Um, but seeing like what he has done throughout his career and um, doing the podcast for SIU Carbondale and just seeing that it kind of it flowed so easily for him. I think you know when we were talking to him, it seemed like you know what we were hoping for like a 15 minute uh interview we easily got like 35 minutes out of it It seemed like we weren't even talking that long it just kept flowing right after the other um story wise uh it'd have to be marcus wilson uh Uh saying saying uh you know i'm not going to talk a whole lot about my you know travels overseas or when i don't want to spend a lot of time on it 
But then just the fact that uh, I can't remember if he's or he proposed. What was at the top of the Eiffel Propo- Tower? Yeah, proposed at the Eiffel Tower. And then told we shouldn't do that. Just <laughs> never be able to top it. Um, but I think it all it all comes back to basically being held hostage. Yeah. And what was it? Ukraine. Yep. So uh-huh. I th- that was I, I mean I feel bad thinking about that he was in that situation, but it was a great story to hear. You know, from our perspective, obviously from the outsider perspective, to live through it, probably not so much, but yeah. I definitely enjoyed that one, too. So outside of uh, Marcus Wilson, uh, I know he was one of your favorite uh, interviews outside of, you know, like coach slash player. Uh, was there any other ones or any well, other stories I, that may have stood I like, out? Uh, sorry for cutting you off, but I like talking to Dave Reynolds. You know, obviously he's uh, has since retired from uh, the Peoria Journal Star, but, you know, I thought his insight uh, – you know, if I go in any places, I can have to go back and listen to that podcast because he had so many restaurant recommendations throughout the Missouri Valley Conference. And then his insight about the uh, um, the Mount Rushmore, his Mount Rushmore for uh, Bradley as well. I thought that was pretty cool. And just in hindsight, like I said, knowing that he's since retired, so we actually had the opportunity to talk to him before uh, he moved on with his career. That, that stood out to me. And then I think... Um, because I was able to set it up with Kelly DeVilder and, you know, having the two of us having been friends for the last couple of years, but really kind of got into seeing what her career was. And like, you know, you, she was pretty, pretty darn good, you know, not just like, Oh yeah, she had a decent career. Like, no, like, and, and <laughs> you think that she had two seasons interrupted because of injury, you know? And uh, she even reached out to me afterwards. She's like, that was so much fun kind of reliving those things. And she was, I don't know where you found some of that stuff, but you know, <laughs> And that, that's kind of fun too to kind of get things. I think overall, and you and I have kind of uh, tried to find some things to get some nuggets that maybe don't always come up in other interviews to get them uh, our guests to talk about them. So those two uh, are the ones that stand out to me. Besides, you know, those stories from Marcus Wilson. I guess an, another one I enjoyed. Uh, it was kind of nice getting an, a different take, you know, outside of Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley uh, from Kevin Sweeney of you know the CBB Central. Uh-huh. Um, I think just seeing the way like that he basically studies college hoops as a whole, not just, you know, doing reviews on these two conferences, but just in general, how much time and effort he puts into, you know, making something worthwhile. It's not like he was just trying to slop something together. No, he, he said he went out of his way, you know, he's contacted coaches. Hey, do you agree with this? Is there something I'm wrong on that? Mm-hmm. Maybe I could do better at I, I. I thought that was a pretty, uh, pretty good take that he said during the interview. Yeah, for sure. You know, definitely shows the hard work that goes into those things. I think, you know, we've used him as a resource. You know, looking into some of our stuff for uh, our two conferences. But you know, there's definitely a lot of work goes into. I think some people don't. Uh, at least I know I didn't have appreciation for it before I, we started doing this podcast and someone was talking to me about how much do you prepare I said honestly it's a lot more work than I than I had imagined I mean I enjoy it I you know love digging into this type of stuff but for somebody to do all those conferences I cannot imagine the time that he's had to dedicate to that so it gives you a real appreciation for it okay uh, coaches now we've had okay. we've had some really good coaches on and it all started with uh, Lennox Forrester, 
Then we had uh, Dickie Nut. And I think from there we went, uh, I think we had Trey Meyer. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think. Uh, we had Paul Lusk, Billy Kennedy, uh, A.W. Hamilton. Um, Marcus Belcher from Illinois State. Marcus Belcher. Greg Lansing. Greg Lansing. And then we just had Coach Spoonauer on. Uh, and then we also had Coach uh, Harper from Jacksonville State. Is there anybody I'm missing? We've had a lot of we've had a lot of guests on throughout these first few, you know 28 episodes. Well, not, I didn't realize I was going to get quizzed, but without a list in front of me, that sounds like everybody. And I hope someone's not listening and getting offended that we've forgotten them now. But I think that's that's pretty much it. I think we've gotten a lot of different coverages from you know a lot of the, whether it be media types or alumni or you know, coaches. We've gotten representation from several areas, but uh, any of the coaching. Uh, stories or anything that stand out to you more than others i think this is going to go back a a ways but one of the first few episodes we did with coach lennox forrester i think the interview part of the interview where uh he talks about kenneth farid and i believe it was Mm -hmm. kenneth farid and he was saying telling his team he goes you know whatever you got to do you know if you got to foul him what what have you you know you won't have to do, I think it was like sprints the next day or something. And he, he made it sound like after that foul, he goes, what are you doing? And he said, what do you mean, coach? He goes, you said if, if I did this and that, there'd be no sprints. He goes, you're exactly right. Or, you know, there's a long, long lines of that. If I could, if I can go back and I'm going to try and do that at some point this year, I'm just going to try and break out uh, the best clip from each interview and kind of, you know, flow it together. Um, yeah. I'm going to try and do that whenever I have some time. Yeah. But I thought that was a good one. Um, I thought when we had Coach Dickey Nutt on, you know, basically right after that, him talking about how he's big on, you know, kids going to class. You know, if you're not going to go to class, you're not going to play. doesn't matter how mm-hmm. good you are. And I think that kind of gets overlooked at times. You know, a lot, of, a lot of fans, you know, look at the win-loss column a lot. But – you know, there's also a career and a life after basketball. If you're not fortunate enough to play in the NBA or overseas, you know, you got to be able to, you know, learn something else outside of basketball. And I think, yeah. And I think even if you have a career, if you go where you play in Europe for 10 years after you're done playing in college, you're still 34, 35 years old. You know, and I know that sounds old to somebody young like you, but to me, it's like, wow, I wish I was still 35 years old and had all that to look forward to. You know, there's still a lot of lot of uh, time working left when you're at 35 years old. So, like you said, Coach really made that an emphasis. And then another one, uh, I, it was one of our shorter interviews, but I think a lot came out of the interview, and that was with uh, Billy Kennedy, who now is an assistant coach for the Wichita State Shockers. Uh just hearing him kind of break down the game, you know, against Vanderbilt in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, you know, hearing like his mindset, you know, like why they did such and such. And just seeing the team so that he was able to put together and then, you know, work his way 
to Texas A&M. I thought it was a very beneficial uh, interview, and I, I really enjoyed and got a lot out of it. Um, yeah. What about on your side? Uh, is, was there is there a certain one that stands out to you or, or maybe a couple? Well, I think the Dickie Nutt interview stands out, you know, and, and so much of it because I think we've shared this before, but I think we had a half-hour interview that we recorded. We turned off the machines, and then he talked for another half an hour. And kind of like, I'm not sure what he said in the what we put in the podcast and what was kind of behind the scenes, you know, kind of the lost tapes of uh, the view of the Valley's podcast, if you will. But, you know, he that guy could, could sell catch up to a tomato farmer. I mean, he just has that kind of skill and just in, you know, all sorts of different things. Uh, Coach Lusk, obviously a personal connection there, but some of the things that I think about that stand out, you know, he's talking about recruiting kids and he says, Hey, you know, you can only take one girl to prom and you got to make sure you make the right choice, you know? And, uh, you know, t- talking about it, some kids like, well, I think I can play in the league. Like, I don't think you can, but all right, let's, <laughs> You know, kind of trying to temper those expectations and, you know, kind of been across the gamut of it uh, from those perspectives. And I think, you know, one thing has been a, a common theme that we've talked to many people about in Antonio's, Antonio's Cleveland kind of uh, set the tone. We're talking about the, the transfer portal and, you know, talking to Antonio's about it and then several coaches and kind of, yeah. You know, the numbers don't play out that if you transfer up, so to speak, that you don't necessarily get more playing time. Uh, you don't necessarily prosper uh, like you would have potentially at that mid-major that you were at before. You know, I think that's kind of been the overriding theme. And then one, another one that stands out to me is talking to Coach Lansing about the article in The Athletic. Sure. You know, because a lot was made about of his comment, like, well, if they would have had the money, they would have fired me years ago. And then for him to kind of come forward and, and come clean with us, like, yeah, I didn't really realize it was that going to be that much access, you know? And then after a while, I kind of forgot he was there. And that's just kind of the way we talk, you know? So I thought that was interesting. You know, I know uh, talking to coach before we, coach Lansing before we brought him on, he was looking forward to addressing that athletic article as well. Sure. Yeah. He, he was a, he was a fun, uh, fun interview you know it the athletic article really helped but i think he was he was just excited to get on and talk indiana state basketball and you know looking ahead to this season two of the other two of the other parts uh, i want to mention from other interviews uh coach hamilton eastern kentucky really enjoyed the full interview but i think the one of the main parts of the interview is when we kind of opened it up to him Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of, you know, told a story about how he, he basically he beat cancer um, mm-hmm. this past off season. And if you haven't heard it, give it a give it a listen. That was back, I think, episode 19. Uh, very good interview from start to finish. But just hearing what he o- was able to overcome and, and especially now seeing the success that Eastern Kentucky's having right now. I, it, it's great. I, you know, you love to see it. Um. The part in Coach Spoonhour's interview when he said he hung up on Dayton, when they <laughs> said, "Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that." Like, uh, you guys want to come here? No, I don't want to come here. I just got beat by what do you say, twenty-five or thirty? Yeah, then they played Wisconsin. I think they were on their way home. Yeah, or Marquette, one of the two. Yeah. And 
Goes, well, you know, I think I better ask uh, better ask my boss first. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was good. And he said, and what happened? We kept on driving right on down to Dayton. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We've had a lot of good interviews. Uh, you know, we had mentioned, talked a lot about, you know, Antonius Cleveland's interview. I think that was, a, that was more of a unique one than the other ones because he was literally in the bubble of the NBA down in Orlando at the time. And I think he, you know, he, as he said, he was just thrilled to be able to talk to somebody while he was stuck in his hotel room. Uh, you know, I thought that was, he had, he brought a lot of insight, especially to the, you know, the, uh, transfer portal, as you had said, and, you know, he had said, you know, grass isn't always greener. And that's kind of why he, he liked being that guy at SEMO and, you know, it worked out for him and hopefully his career will continue to take leaps. But outside of that, TJ, I think, uh, I know you and I are wanting to get some more interviews on here in the coming weeks. Uh, it's, it's just kind of tough getting, you know, getting coaches on, you know, during the season, especially now, because you never know when a new game may pop up. You know, we've had have reached out to a couple guys and we had one that we thought was going to be scheduled, but then ended up having to be canceled due to, you know, a, a rescheduled game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're hoping to get a couple more interviews on here and it may not be a long interview, but, you know, just get some insight on, you know, how it's like, you know, what, it, what it's been like going on in this season, unlike any other season they've ever been a part of. Yeah, I think it's been a lot of fun. I think uh, I'd like to thank you and I've kind of learned some things along the way, maybe matured as interviewers and learned how to uh, do follow-up questions, but I really enjoyed it. And, you know, so many coaches have been so open and willing to uh, come on the show. And obviously a few of them started out with connections. You and I might have had that, you know, we could talk to someone to say something. You know, big things, man. We just, hey, if you want to tell us no, that's fine. We'll move on. We're not going to, you're not going to hurt my feelings. And uh, for the most part, we've gotten yeses. And hopefully, you know, kind of kept them light and enjoyable and something that's interesting to us, at least, if nobody else. Yeah. You know, it may not interest, you know, each fan base of, you know, each conference because typically it's only going to be about one. But, if there's been a coach that's coached in the Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley, we try and, you know, keep it to where, you know, we talk about that too. You know, where's the comparisons? How, how do they differentiate? And we try and revolve it all around both, but obviously it's going to come down to one school for most part of it, but try and keep everybody entertained. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you have it, if you have an idea on somebody that you would want us to interview and we haven't already reached out to them, you know, feel free to, uh, you know, send us a message on Twitter. Um, that's view Valley's pod you can direct message us. And, uh, if there's somebody you want us to interview, we'll do our best to, uh, to make it happen. Uh, but with that, TJ, you got any final thoughts here? I just hope everyone's staying healthy and, uh, you know, Maybe I'll be a, a multimillionaire by the time we put this up if uh, a win on the Mega Millions or the Powerball. And you know, we'll have our own studio by then instead of having to do this remotely and uh, kind of uh, an archaic way. <laughs> yeah, that, that wouldn't, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> but uh, that that's going to do it here for episode 30 here on View of the Valley's podcast. 
For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week as we get things going again with episode 31. You can follow us on Twitter at View Valleys Pod. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. Hope everybody has a safe and enjoyable week, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, everybody.